0: Hey everyone, welcome to our wrap up for the Jesus is Lord series. Uh, For the last six weeks here at Evergreen, we have been focusing on the New Testament's teaching on nonviolence and peacemaking. And so this morning, we're gonna have a conversation to wrap the series up. And we've really been focusing up to this point at what the New Testament teachings say. And today we're shifting our focus a little bit to, to look more at the practicality of living this out, what it it looks like when it takes shape in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we really believe, as you've probably caught on if you've been tracking with us, that peacemaking is central to what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Right. There was a really uh, cool quote from Brexy KV in the Sermon Bumper. I don't know if you caught it, but it said this As followers of Jesus, peace and reconciliation are not meant to be optional accessories to our faith, but fundamental and central qualities of our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really believe wholeheartedly, as you saw over the past six weeks, that peacemaking is is a central part of who we are as Christians, how we live as Christians, how we interact as Christians, not just in the church, but in the world. Uh, And that really, with this posture of peacemaking, we can be difference makers uh, in our world. And so I think Bruxy's bang on. I don't think that it's something that we consider doing or something that we on occasion uh, you know, run some kind of peacemaking program or something like that. I think it's absolutely central mm-hmm. to who we are
0: mm-hmm.
1: being in Christ.
0: Right. The wild thing about that is that it's actually not a view that's held by all Christians.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: And so it's so it's interesting for the first three centuries of Christianity, it it actually was, right? We have no evidence of Christians taking up arms or using violence in the face of evil for the first 300 or so years of Christianity, but that kind of shifted at the time of Emperor Constantine. And from that time up until now, it's something that we've seen some Christians embrace at different times throughout history, really most often as a way to confront evil, right? Resorting to violence as a way to confront evil. to be fair, you know, in, in some ways we can understand why they would land there. Yeah, Because yeah. none of us wanna be the kinds of people who sit back and do nothing in the face yeah. of evil, Yeah, right? And so that's one of the things that I've heard come up a lot as people are kind of struggling through that question throughout this series is, what does it mean for us to be peacemakers and yet to make a difference when we come across those situations of evil in our world?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, Um, A a year or two or three or a while back, I uh, preached a sermon series uh, called Rooted, which was about our Anabaptist roots um, as a church, as a denomination. And in that Rooted series, I showed two different images of Jesus, Mm. historical images of Jesus, where uh, the first was within that first 300 years, and it always showed a peasant Jesus. Right. And then after Constantine, Emperor Constantine, the emperor who decided that he was going to accept Christ and and then made Christianity the national religion of the people so that they would no longer be persecuted. It's like, yeah, no more persecution. And uh, the emperor's embraced us. And when you look at artwork of pictures of Jesus after that, He's actually wearing military garb. Mm, and so you wow. see this drastic shift yeah. happen. Yeah. And so the church has battled for years since then to um, try to figure out, like, how do we deal with evil? How do we uh, you know, fight against evil? But the, the reality is, is that Jesus is really clear. And I taught this yeah. in this series that you don't fight evil with evil but you do stand up against evil so we do go against evil so peacemaking is not a passive just fold and 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 just lay down and let you know everybody walk all over you yeah. peacemaking is actually an active thing yeah except that in order to deal with evil we counter evil with good Right. And so, so Jesus, Jesus actually says that, right, in the passage, I think it's Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 42, right? In Matthew chapter 5, he says, You've heard the law that says that punishment must, must uh, match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. And when I taught in that sermon, when I used that passage, we looked at the word resist, Right. And it says, do not resist an evil person. Yeah. That actually shows activity, an active response toward the evil person. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. And so what Jesus is teaching us there is to, instead of countering evil with evil, we actually counter evil with good. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a really practical example. Let's say your neighbor, uh, their driveway is close to your driveway, and in between the driveway, there's like a little strip of grass, and your neighbor keeps driving on your grass. And you're really kind of getting upset about this. Yeah. You're, you really like your lawn. You like your grass. Yeah, yeah. You, you take care of your, your lawn, you, you mow it often, it's yeah. like a certain length, yeah. all of that kind of stuff, and, you're, and your neighbor keeps driving on it. Do you respond by then just getting angry, mumbling, grumbling, complaining to your your spouse or whoever you live with? Uh, or, Or do you even respond worse and just like drive on your neighbor's lawn? Like, I'll get him back. Are we vengeful about this? Are we trying to, you know, or do we just like go over and have like a really friendly neighborly conversation and in the midst of that say, hey, like, I've noticed that you've been driving on the grass and like that kind of bothers me. Yeah. And so just truth telling, just being honest, uh, that's actually the Christian way of doing things. Yeah. um, Is countering the evil with the good. Being a friendly neighbor, being compassionate and caring, but also speaking truth and telling them, hey, like I'm not appreciating what you're doing, is there any chance that you could not do that anymore? Yeah. Now, your neighbor may drive on your lawn again, and they may completely ignore you. We have to understand that it's not always about the outcome of it, but it's about our posture within it. Mm -hmm. And so, as Christians, we do go against evil. Mm -hmm. We're called, actually, to go against evil. Uh, You know, the, the Apostle Paul talks about putting on our armor so that we aren't, te- you know, we can deal with temptation, and the enemy won't, you know, in, it penetrate us mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, and so we we definitely do stand up against evil, but we counter evil with good. It's never an eye for an eye. It's never evil gets evil. It's always evil countered by good.
0: Yeah. One of the challenges, really, is that we tend to think dualistically about this, right? And I think you touched on this in an earlier sermon, but we tend to think that we've got two options when we're in the face of evil. Either we do nothing, we just sit back, or we use some sort of violence to conquer it.
1: But I think they're both equally sin. Right. I think doing nothing is just as sinful as the violence.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the misconceptions yeah. about pacifism, yes. right? When really like that third way that we're looking for is more challenging in yeah. a lot of ways. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit later on about the challenges yeah. uh, about peacemaking and why sometimes we default to violence, which is actually an easier route. Yeah, um, yeah. But it yeah.
1: Is. It is, yeah, violence is the easier way. Yeah. It's harder, it's easier to complain behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it's easier to then get vengeance mm-hmm. you know drive your car on the lawn yeah you know maybe just slightly and then uh, and then never actually confront yeah never actually talk yeah. it's harder to walk over and have that friendly neighborly conversation
0: yeah yeah I think one of the other things that kind of drives us to use violence and to resort to Um, to violence, when we're we're face-to-face with evil, is that we tend to uh, think of other people as the enemy, Mm. right? And Paul in Ephesians 5, he talks about how people aren't the enemy. That's right. Um, Ephesians 5 or 6, somewhere in there. It's in Ephesians. It's in Ephesians. And uh, that's a really helpful corrective, I think, for us to remember that We believe that God created people in his image. We're all broken, but people aren't the enemy. There's powers, there's principalities. Uh, They're victims of the enemy, actually. And so we love the person, but we try to come up with creative ways to to step into situations of evil and to work towards good using nonviolent and love-centered practices and approaches.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that we have to remember, the early church modeled this. Yeah, Um, They would give their lives for it. Yeah. So it wasn't about them getting their way or them getting the outcome that they wanted. They just had a deep trust in Jesus in such a way that they would enter into this posture of actively peacemaking and often would lose their life.
0: Right. Yeah, so we've got to be willing to sacrifice, Yeah. right? So that's a challenge for us. We don't don't like sacrifice. Yeah. Um, One of the things that's jumped out at me kind of recurrently throughout this series is attention. Um, I was mm-hmm. reading the Gospel of Luke, actually, one, one day as we're going through this series. And as uh, Jesus was on trial, one of the things that it said is that he, he was on trial and they were accusing him of disrupting the peace, uh, right? And yeah. so it struck me, there's actually a little bit of attention because yeah. we talk about Jesus as being the Prince of Peace. We talk about Jesus as being the source of our peace, right? Yeah. Paul says actually Jesus is our peace. Yeah. And yet he was accused of Disturbing the peace. Yeah. And so there's this reality, there's this tension that while He is the source of peace, He also confronts uh, some of the, the situations in our lives where um, we're, we're feeling comfortable. Yeah. And so there's this tension.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the tension is actually about how we define peace. Mm-hmm. And so when they're accusing Jesus of disturbing the peace in that sense, in that text, um, what's what's actually happening is is he's disturbed their religious ways. Right. He's disturbed the way that they do things. He's doing something a little bit different and so he's he's created tension that makes them feel like it's not peaceful anymore. Yeah. And so often we define peace as um, like bliss.
2: Yeah. Like Tranquility, life is good. Comfort. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, like like you know nothing's challenging in life right now. I feel so much at peace. Yeah. And the reality is, is that isn't the kind of peace that Jesus actually wants to bring. I, I would argue that the Apostle Paul actually uh, would say that the peace that Jesus brings us is a deep inner contentment mm. in all situations. Right. And so when things are really bad, yeah. there's a contentment. Yeah. When things are really good, there's a contentment. There isn't this feeling of, of discontentment Uh, based on the circumstance. And I think that that is a lot of the peace that the Apostle Paul would talk about. Right. Um, Yeah, so I think that that's the first part of the tension. Mm -hmm. The other part is is that I think Jesus purposely, when we're living that kind of peace, Mm -hmm. wants to pull us out of our comfort zones and will disrupt the peace. And we had a story in one of the sermons that I did, uh, I think the second week, or second, I don't remember what week, uh, fourth week, I think, uh, where where we see that narrative actually happen. Yeah, and that's the story of Cornelius, right? And uh, where Jesus, uh, you know, reaches out to a Gentile and Peter, mm-hmm. and so Peter's pretty content. Right. Peter's actually living pretty good. We're 10 chapters into the book of Acts. He's getting used to, you know, this new preaching gig that he's got happening. Yeah. And this like developing uh, this evangelistic ministry around the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, But he's doing this predominantly to Jews. Right. He's still in his comfort zone. These yeah. are the people he knows. Yeah. And then uh, Peter gets a bit of a wake up call. Yeah. And, uh, and in that wake-up call, it's through, he goes up on his roof to pray,
2: yeah.
1: and uh, he goes into a trance, Yeah, he's hungry. It says. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's hungry. It's never good when you're hungry. Yeah. Um, but he goes into that trance. It says, he fell into a trance, and the sky opened, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And it's interesting, because after this whole vision happens, mm-hmm. in verse 17, it said, Peter, was very perplexed. Yeah. He's disrupted. Yeah. Right? I'm going to the roof. Have my prayer time, my time with Jesus. Yeah. And then the vision is something he can't explain. Right. He's perplexed.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost like uh, it's a beautiful picture of discipleship, right? I think that yeah. often when we're following Jesus, we should have these moments where we're perplexed. Yeah. right where we're like wow what is god doing. Yeah. And often we try to actually do the opposite. We double down on what we believe to be true. We want to make sure we have everything right and yeah. those kinds of things. But this is a beautiful picture of Peter being open to having god yeah. do something new in his life. Yes. And and in the world really. Like yeah. this is this is world-changing stuff that Peter is awakening to in this moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. and not just, like, it's world-changing stuff, but it's actually earth-shattering to Peter. Right. Right, so he's perplexed about this, and then he hears from the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. that's how the, these kinds of things go. He hears from the Holy Spirit that these men are coming to the door and that he's supposed to trust God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Trust me, he says, and go with them. Right. The problem is, is they're Romans. Yeah. They're Gentiles, Cornelius is is a gentile the jews do not eat with gentiles yeah so peter has a decision to make is he willing to disrupt his whole life Mm -hmm. in order to go do something that he has never been willing to do which is to eat food Mm
2: -hmm. that has
1: always been seen as unclean yeah and so god tells him that it's not unclean anymore yeah right? And so he goes and he stays mm-hmm. with Cornelius. So he makes that choice. Right. Peter's life is drastically disrupted. Yeah. And we see later Yeah. Uh, in the narrative actually where Peter actually bombs at this. Yeah. This isn't a perfect story, <laughs> yeah. folks, in any way. This isn't a perfect story. So Peter goes, he follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. His life is disrupted. His, his whole mindset of his religion is like totally thrown out now. And yet he still leans toward, I don't think I want to do this Gentile thing. And so Jesus goes and and gets Paul. Mm -hmm. And Paul and Peter actually later have an interaction about this where Paul kind of calls Peter out on this and says, you know, you should have kept doing this uh, because they are now part of God's kingdom. Yeah. Part of God's people.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's like interesting to imagine, right? Like we can just imagine for Peter, how like every fiber of his, his being yeah. would have been telling him this, this food is bad, right? Yeah. This is good. This is bad. Yeah. This, this person is good. Yeah. This person is it bad. It was the law. It w- yeah. Right? That's, this, this
1: wasn't just like a recommendation. Right. It was the law that they not eat this food. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, so amazing to me how God is so often, th- the the ways that he's blowing our minds and drawing us into yeah. something new is by breaking down the walls about the people that we think need to be kept on the outside, yeah. right? And that's what he's doing here with, with, with Peter is he's saying, you know, the people who you thought weren't invited to the table, yeah. I'm inviting to the table. And yeah. he shows them in this really drastic
1: yeah. way. Yeah, and we see Jesus disrupting. it. I actually get excited when these kinds of disruptions happen in my life i actually get worried when i'm in that kind of life is going really well right now i don't have any challenges i don't have anything that's perplexing me, Mm -hmm. I I actually will often be on my knees saying, Lord, what's next? Lord, you know, what do you want me to be doing um, in my life and with my life? Because I actually think that these are divine interruptions that happen Mm -hmm. uh, in ways that he pulls us out of our comfort zones, because living a comfortable Christian life Mm -hmm. is not what Jesus has called us to.
0: Yeah, not at all. We see nothing like that. Yeah. In, uh, in the Gospels or throughout the rest of the New Testament. It's never like this cozy thing. Yeah. Um, there's a quote that I, I love. I know I say it quite a lot, but I uh, <laughs> have been throughout this series anyways. It's by uh, Walter Brueggemann.
1: Mm. But I think
0: it really kind of- He's
1: still alive, eh?
0: Yeah, he yeah. is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he looks like he's 400.
0: <laughs> I think he's approaching that, yeah. 87 or yeah. something, which is awesome. 87, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the quote. He says, Christians are called to nonviolence, not because we believe nonviolence is a strategy to rid the world of war, but in a world of war, as faithful followers of Christ, we cannot imagine being anything other than nonviolent. And that will make the world possibly more violent. Mm -hmm. That's kind of surprising in some ways, right? There's times where it will make the the world more violent because the world does not want the order it calls peace exposed as the violence it so oftentimes is, right, and so that's kind yeah. of what we see, where it's like sometimes what we think is is peace is actually just order, because yeah. the structures are in place and things are kind of moving along status quo, yeah, and what Peter's experiencing, what we see people experiencing as they follow Jesus, is that things aren't status quo anymore, yeah, so it gets a little bit messy, yeah, right that that comfort is uh is disrupted, but God's doing something new and something beautiful and bringing transformation into lives and into relationships through that.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the North American challenges. Yeah. Um, Because our lives can become comfortable, Mm -hmm. um, even when our lives are difficult, when we look across the world, our lives are far from difficult.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And and so we have this definition of peace Mm -hmm. that we think is peace, but it's actually not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, again, that's why I really like what Paul says. Yeah, You know, I can find peace in the midst of all the chaos, right? right. I, I find that contentment yeah. that only Jesus can bring through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a, a saying that I, probably most people have heard is very common. I don't even know where it's from, but it's like, God wants to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Yep. Right. And I think yep. there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, there very um, much is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. So we're going to go back to one of the things we hit on a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's been coming up a lot in this series is the reality that it's actually just very difficult, right? As we've been chatting right. with people. So it's like, yeah, you know, maybe we're on board, maybe we agree, but like, how do you actually live this out? So we'll, we're going to talk about that. How do we go yep. about Taking steps to being peacemakers, but before yeah. that, what do you think makes this so challenging for us?
1: Oh boy, I mean, there's so many things, yeah. right? The comfort of our of our culture, the the um, you know, even in our churches, we want things comfortable, like our chairs or padded chairs and things like that, um, which I think has been great. We've been moved out of comfort into discomfort this past year, Mm -hmm. but it's sent many in the church spinning. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that that makes it difficult. Our definition of peace uh, certainly makes it difficult. I also think that the way we engage with our Bibles or the lack of engagement with our Bibles Mm -hmm. makes it difficult. Um, We often don't look into things and. And you know, seek the spirit to guide us, and and things like that. Um, and then it's just difficult because you know we're human beings, tempted by sin, and uh, we kind of tend to like things to go our way.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so we get scared. Yeah, we get fearful that the outcome won't be what we want it to be. And mm-hmm. so if I make this effort. I don't want to have to sacrifice. Right. Um because I think we're we're fearful of sacrifice. Yeah. And so we uh, we get we just get scared, you know, yeah. if this doesn't go the way that I want it to, like what'll happen if this ha- and and so it's just easier to avoid. Yeah. It's easier to fall into our kind of religiosity, structure You know, everyday, daily lives, and it's really difficult to to insert ourselves into difficult situations Mm -hmm. and become a voice uh, that brings Jesus to the center of the situation. Mm -hmm.
0: There's also, uh, I think, a much deeper level of vulnerability. Oh yeah. When we enter into situations, attempting to be peacemakers, as opposed to just kind of trying to take control and get our way. Yeah. Right? There is a reality that when we, when we enter into those hard conversations, we don't know how it's gonna go. We feel like we're not in control. Whereas when we take the other approaches, sometimes we can get, have a deeper sense that yeah. we, or, or yeah. it's almost an illusion really, yeah. that we have some control.
1: Yeah, um, and I yeah. think Jesus is calling us to live vulnerably.
0: Yeah, actually, I think we right. did a talk about that. I think we <laughs> might have, yeah. 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 yeah, but there is a reality where <laughs> vulnerability is so central to discipleship. Yeah. We can, we, you really can't follow Jesus without a willingness to, to be vulnerable. Yeah.
1: Right. but we, we've built a lot of Christianity on ethics Yeah, and how things look. Yeah. And it's very difficult to be vulnerable when you're constantly worried about how things look. Yeah. And so I think that's a pretty huge barrier yeah. uh, in, in us being vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, and inserting ourselves into these difficult situations because we're worried about what that might look like.
0: Yeah. The other reality is that it's just so much the way we're shaped in our culture, yeah. right? This tendency to, to default towards violence or stepping into a situation, just trying to take control. Um, he, I have a five-year-old nephew,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. And he loves superheroes, right? And he's always wanting to be uh, the bad guy and wanting me to fight him, right? Yeah. And i always be like, no, like I think that we should talk it out. Yeah. And that just yeah. has no appeal. That's like, a
1: great movie, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Can you imagine I'm wearing my Captain America shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is probably not the best shirt to be wearing in a peacemaking conversation, right? Because the concept of Captain America is being the hero through beating the bad guy, right? right. But it's not much of a movie if Captain America is inserting himself in as a peacemaker as he negotiates with the aliens that are uh, about to invade uh, humanity and he talks through it. Yeah. You know, no kid wants to say, hey, let's talk through this situation. Yeah. It, we're just not cultured that way. Yeah.
0: It seems so, less exciting. Yeah. So Ethan
1: yeah. would want to do that, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and I've tried to explain to him, you know, like love is actually the strongest power in the world. Yeah. And he, he told me superheroes actually are. Yeah. So we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. But like from a young age, right? It's amazing that you start to see this very young. We're kinda, yeah. We're kind of programmed this way through our culture. And also, kind of default to it in a way where there's this this tendency towards good guys, bad guys, winning fights, and those kinds of yeah. things.
1: Yeah, and I addressed that a little bit in uh, in one of the sermons yeah. too, where I yeah. talked about the box office, right? And that American Sniper yeah. by far outsold yeah uh, the movie yeah. Selma, the yeah, movie yeah. about um, Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. Yeah. Um, so this this amazing historical moment uh, is outsold by a guy who's amazing with a gun and, and killed the most people ever in history as a sniper. Yeah. Um and I, I'm not taking away from the story that's yeah. behind that, because there is a real sad part of that story to American Sniper, but there's an awful sad part to the story of Martin Luther King Jr. too. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really does just show our culture, you know. Even myself, I'm wearing a Captain America shirt and I like watching the Avengers yeah. and, and things like that. That's how we're we're cultured. Yeah. So, it's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge because peacemaking is countercultural. Right. And countercultural means it's not going to be easy.
0: Yeah. It's always going to go against the grain. Yeah. Right. So, in a way, it's almost going to feel wrong to us. Yeah. It requires us to step out of our comfort zone.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, One more thing, I think, just before we wrap up that question, is uh, we were chatting about it earlier, right? This reality that Paul calls us to trust judgment to God. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. he says, like, don't avenge, but, but trust God, you know, to, uh, to judge for you. And that's in Corinthians. No, it's in uh, Romans 12. Yeah. Um, but I think we, we struggle with that, right? Because yeah. we want to make sure that we see the justice that we think people deserve played out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a sense of being able to control that when we take it into our own hands. Yep. But, uh,
1: yeah. But. Yeah. Huge aspect of living a peacemaking enemy loving life Mm -hmm. is actually about trusting in Jesus. Yeah. It's about trusting that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he meant everything he said, he will fulfill everything that he said, and that we are empowered by his Holy Spirit so that we can live exactly how he's calling us to. Mm -hmm. We have to trust and believe that, and we have to leave the judging Mm -hmm. to him. Right. He says that clearly, that we are not the judges, that he is the one who will judge the living and the dead. Yeah. And, uh, and so vengeance is not ours. Right. Vengeance is his. But it's our human condition in sin to want to see how it all plays out, to want to control all of those situations. And uh, really what we're called to do is place our trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why if Jesus is our Lord, mm-hmm we'll live a life of peacemaking. Mm -hmm. But if Jesus, if we want to be Lord, Mm -hmm. then we'll try to take control of all of that, and we're not actually living under the Lordship of Christ. Mm -hmm. Because under the Lordship of Christ, you trust your King. Right. So, yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Well, let's move into that practical question of how we actually go about living this out. So what are some practical ways that we can start to live as peacemakers? In our world.
1: Yeah. One of the things I actually think COVID has been playing a key role in. Yeah. And that is to get to know Jesus. Mm. To get to know Jesus, to actually work on your discipleship. Your discipleship matters. And the word disciple means not just a learner, but that you're a follower. Right. that you're actually learning who Jesus was and then putting that into action by following him. Yeah. And so learning what he says, what yeah. he teaches, and learning how he himself acted and postured himself. And so we went through that in some of the sermon series. It's really important to get to know Jesus. Yeah. We need the Holy Spirit living in us in order to even be empowered to do this. Yeah. So we can't do it on our own. Yeah. Peacemaking posture is not a natural human posture. It's a divinely inspired posture that only God can motivate us toward yeah. uh, because we're naturally self-centered. Another thing is, and I, I actually think this is really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Learn to be curious, yeah. not rigid. Right. So I'm talking about in theology, I'm talking about when you read your Bible, when in relationships with other people, learn to be curious, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and to, to avoid being rigid about these things. Yeah. Because when we start to develop a framework of, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm gonna tell you how right I am and how you should be, I actually think we've left the realm of, of the way Jesus interacted with people and i think we've moved into a realm where we're actually causing damage yeah but our curiosity can lead us into a deeper knowledge of who jesus was right a deeper knowledge into who jesus is in our own lives if Mm -hmm. we constantly be curious about things i can't read scripture without constantly just piquing my, my curiosity and me wanting to dig deeper into where this is and I don't mean academic academically like I'm not talking about going to seminary and doing you know courses or any of that kind of stuff I'm just talking devotional reading yeah uh, that is full of curiosity and not like rigid check off a box this really didn't mean much or rigid like I've got it all figured out yeah because one thing I've learned is is we will never Fully figure out Jesus yeah. until Jesus returns. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a big thing. Another thing is uh, we love to blame. Yeah. We love to to you know find blame for something that's happened. It's so and so's fault. And I just don't think blame gets us anywhere. Right. So instead of blame, really ask, what can God do yeah. in this situation? And yeah. begin to posture yourself that way. Yeah. Asking and praying, Lord, what, what can you do in the midst of all of this? And I actually think those simple things are what launches us into it and have relationships outside of the church. Yeah. Right? We practice this within the church because, frankly, we're not good at it, even in the church, mm-hmm. at just getting along. Um, and and getting along doesn't mean we don't disagree, but um, we're just not good at it. Yeah. And, uh, and so we practice it in the church, but we need to get to know people outside of the church yeah. and sort of remove ourselves from this culture
2: mm-hmm. and
1: actually live in the culture. So like in your workplace, Yeah. like you should literally be the best employee they have. All the employees should be looking at like you as the model uh, as, as the, the best employee. The boss should never need to worry about any of their Christian employees
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because they're curious. Yeah, They don't look to blame.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and they're asking for God's guidance in all things that they do, which makes them kind mm-hmm. and gentle, caring and loving. Uh, They're they're not caught up in, in, you know, all the conversations of gossip within the office. They're loyal. Um, That kind of stuff is what leads us into a posture of peacemaking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that point about curiosity Mm -hmm. and uh, just thinking of how would our relationships shift if we approach others that we don't understand. With that lens of curiosity rather than judgment, yeah. right? Because so quickly we we want to judge people, or we we yeah. we, we yeah. just think we have the the knowledge that we need. But um, we have a, this le- uh, Lent spiritual practice guide that we've put out, and actually I think one of the days this week, the spiritual practice is to make it like a day of curiosity. Yeah. So just as you're en- engaging with other people, as you're reading the scripture passages that you're assigned for that day, just like do it with this lens of curiosity. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people do things that kind of drive us bananas and, uh, and we're quick to judge, but if we approach them with a lens of curiosity and try to yeah. understand where that comes from, suddenly, you know, it kind of dissipates some of the anger that we feel yeah. because sometimes it comes from a place of brokenness that yeah. we might not have known about. Sometimes, yeah. you know, people actually have insight into realities that we didn't know and we can learn from them when we're curious. And so I think that that posture of curiosity is actually, it seems like a small thing, but it's amazing how powerful that could be yeah. in in allowing us to be pos- uh, peacemakers just day to day, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and you touched on something very important and it, it ties into my getting to know Jesus, Yeah, but it doesn't answer the question of how do we get to know Jesus mm-hmm. and spiritual formation, Yeah, right? Being formed and shaped by the spirit in your life uh, is the key to that. And yeah. so Pastor Tamil gives you resources Uh, and provides you with a practice in most of our services or a reflection. Like, don't turn the TV off at that point. Actually spend time reflecting, responding, uh, you know, praying, using postures. All of these different things are the things that help us to get to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So do all of that with the lens of curiosity. Yeah. uh, And you'll find that it'll be very life-giving.
0: Yeah, yeah, and with that, eye for what God is doing. I think that was a really great yes. point too, yeah. right? Rather yeah. than looking for who's to blame, imagine we looked at every situation with an eye to see what God is up to and then yeah. a heart to join Him in it, Yeah. right? Yeah, and I think it'd good. be incredible yeah. uh, what the church would would do in our community if yeah. that's how we engaged with others and, and looked at situations that yeah. we face yeah. day to day. Yeah. yeah, all right. So just last question to wrap this up. Yep. Yeah um what difference do you think it would make in our world if we were to really fully live into this
1: oh Oh, I, i well first of all i don't think our buildings would be big enough to even hold the amount of people that would want to engage in the life of the church yeah uh i think that would be problem number one yeah i think that the world would look to the church for for guidance and direction in most things, yeah. because if we were legitimately living a peacemaking lifestyle where we're uh, seeking reconciliation in all things, I mean, man, the the impact that we would have in our community, mm-hmm. you know, there wouldn't be hate, there wouldn't be like we're literally going up against evil directly with good yeah so in every evil situation we're bringing the good into it and that would just be absolutely revolutionary for the town of simcoe you know with our downtown site if we can just bring a little glimpse of goodness Mm -hmm. into the downtown it will change the downtown yeah Uh, and that's with you know a facelift to a building is a good beginning of that, but then it's with love. Yeah, It's with love and it's with kindness and compassion uh, and a willingness to step into the muddy water yeah. and go, let's do it, Yeah, let's do it. I'm not afraid of evil, yeah. I'll confront it, I'll stand up against it with good. Yeah. So I, I think our churches would be just full and I think the church would be uh, the most influential body of people yeah. across the world.
0: Yeah. And in our world, in our cultural context right now, we need experts in peacemaking to look to. And wouldn't it be amazing if the world looked to the church and saw us modeling that uh, in in a way that only Jesus can represent and and allow us to live into in in our world.
1: He says that we're his ambassadors. Yeah. That we're His hands and feet. Yeah. That we are the body of Christ. That yeah. we are representing Him here on earth. Yeah. And so, if we're representing Jesus here on earth, and we take this is the this is why it's such a core piece of who we need to be as Christians. Yeah, it, it, it's it's why I get frustrated that we argue about whether it is even like a real thing. Yeah. Um, because I think it would just be so revolutionary and it would bring Jesus to the world faster than we could ever imagine.
0: Yeah. So one of the most powerful practices that we have in the church to celebrate reconciliation, this reality that we have been reconciled to God and reconciled to one another is the practice of communion. Yeah. And so as we wrap up our, our series today, we decided it would be the perfect time to share in communion together. Yeah. Just to to with our um, bodies as we take the, the bread and the wine to celebrate the reality that we have been united to Christ and in and at the same time to each other and we yeah. have peace with each other. Yeah. So, but before that, uh, we're gonna watch a, a video that was actually played at our convention, uh, our Ontario Conference um, Convention last Friday. Yeah. And it was a virtual choir video. And in this yeah. video, you will see people singing from all kinds of different churches within our denomination. And it's a really powerful testimony, really, to yeah. this unity that we have in Christ, yeah. even in the midst of yeah. all of our diversity. This
1: video is literally representing all the different Mennonite Brethren churches across Ontario. Yeah. All joining together in worship yeah, together. It's, yeah. it's really powerful.
0: Yeah. yeah. And as a bonus, there is somebody from our Evergreen family.
1: Yeah, we are represented. We are
0: represented. And so as you watch this video, uh, keep an eye out for Travis and uh, just focus on the words and prepare your heart to celebrate uh, the unity that we have with Jesus and with one another that we're about to celebrate in communion.
1: Yeah.
3: You saw us through the other side. Knowing this rules our salvation. Jesus, for our you died. Sing it out, praise the Father.
1: first time that I saw that video actually was before conference and, and I just uh, got chills at the unity that you experience watching churches across Ontario, uh, just glorifying and praising Jesus together. And what I love about it is they're actually all singing. Mm-hmm. That's legitimately just yeah. all of them singing yeah. uh, together. And uh, it was awesome to have Travis yeah, so cool. uh, involved in that. Yeah. Um, We're going to go into communion uh, in order to to wrap up uh, today's service. And I think it's very fitting that after we just moved from a communal video like that, uh, where we now do communion together as a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I hope that you have uh, some juice and and some bread uh, and so on. If you don't, just pause the video and you can go get some and then uh, you can join us. Uh, Communion is one of those things that brings us together. It's the welcoming people to the table Mm -hmm. and gathering around the table uh, with one another. And that's quite literally uh, what was happening, Mm -hmm. where Jesus was gathered with his disciples around a table, and he kind of stood up to to give a toast in a sense. And so the Apostle Paul, he shares that uh, in 1 Corinthians. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we take this bread in remembrance of who Jesus was, who Jesus is today that he's the living god our messiah our king the one who brings us salvation so father i thank you for the sacrifice that you made for your willingness to go to the cross for for the teachings that you give us and the the examples that you lead us through in your scriptures i thank you lord for the sacrifice of your body In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you take the bread with me?
0: And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So God, we thank you for the gift of the new covenant that we have in your blood. God, we thank you for your death and your resurrection, for the incredible uh, gift of reconciliation Mm. and the unity that we have with you and with one another. We pray that you would bless this cup in your name, amen.
2: Amen.
1: The unity that the cup brings is just so powerful.
2: Hmm.
1: And the Apostle Paul in his letter uh, to the Ephesians as he was sending people off, he says, peace be with you. And so folks, I wanna challenge you to, to leave today and be curious to leave today and don't worry about about putting blame on something, but to ask yourself, where's God in this? What can God do in the midst of this? And so Paul says, peace be with you. And so we say that peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great day today, and may the Lord bless you.